subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Back Half, the New Statesman's culture podcast with me, Tom. And me, Kate. We're going to talk at roughly twice the usual speed today. Yes. Because I've got to go get a Eurostar to go to Euro Disney. Eurostar straight to Euro Disney. <laughs> straight to the park. Um, um, your, a few minutes. your first visit? No, my third, I think. Mm. Just keep coming back. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why I'm doing it this time. <laughs> I'm not going my own. <laughs> Did you go? Do you think anyone's ever gone on their own? I expect so. That'd I mean, Disney piece. sort of inspires weird fandom, doesn't it? I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure there are. There's probably a documentary on Netflix somewhere about people who go on an annual pilgrimage to to Disneyland. There'll or, be or somebody probably people who go every month. Yeah, there'll be somebody who's heard that they put they put a new doll in the small yeah. world ride. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to go and look at that and try and identify it, even though it's tiny and miniature and up in the corner of one of the rooms. Did you go as a child? No, I started going at the age of about 25. <laughs> but um, I, I'm, I was, when I was younger, I was able to do the Space Mountain repeatedly. And now my sort of various things have changed, like probably my ear canals and things like that. So I can't really do that because I feel I'm going to have my neck broken when I get thrown around. That. <laughs> but I do like the kind of loosely Indiana Jones sort of runaway mind train type rides where you can keep your eyes open. And you can still experience a roller coaster with your eyes open because mm. they don't go upside down and things like that. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Great. We'll report back next time. Please. Yeah. Any um, changes? Today we're going to be talking very quickly about the new John Grant album. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about a new Netflix original series called Maniac. And you've got a non-aversary for us. I have. I have. So, Kate, John Grant is just about to release his fourth album, Mm. Love is Magic. Maybe before we bang on about it, we should just hear a little bit of it. Yes. You think? This song is called Is He Strange? And we believe it's also a single. 
So, Kate, that actually sounds quite like old old John Grant to mm. me. It's like kind of quite 70s mm. Carpenters, Elton John type thing. Uh, classic, you know, classic lush, songwriting. Lush, lush John Grant. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the sort of dominant mode of the album. It, how, how would you describe it? It's doing something a little bit different, this record. He, yeah, it's a strange that when you first put it on, I mean, I didn't know what to think of it at first. I thought, it's all spoken word with synthesizers. <laughs> and it's not at all. But for some reason, the way it met my ears was as spoken word with synths. Uh, most of the tracks are about six minutes long. And they are sort of full of strange sections and and um, spacey uh, synth breaks and kind of juxtaposition of his usual deadpan humour with very, very sort of dark, meaningful moments and stuff. And I just found it very strange. And then the second time I listened to it, it's got all the classic John Grant structures that you got on Queen of Denmark and you've had ever since Queen of Denmark, but it's just in a different landscape. It just, he, he's, he's been, I think it was about, when he was about 43, he went to Iceland Airwaves and had this kind of, you know, huge conversion when he met all these synth experts and started being able to actually use the electronics he'd always been interested in, but he didn't know how to play. And this is kind of an elaboration of that sort of journey in a way. This has got a million. I think he, he recorded it with um, a guy called Ben Edwards, who's a, a sort of analog synth expert right. called Benj in Cornwall, who has at least 50 analog synths. <laughs> and he just went down there and just went mad, basically. This is all real boys' toys yeah. stuff, isn't it? But it does, it does have, um, it does have a really interesting sound. Like, I mean, sometimes with synth stuff, you just feel that's a sort of keyboard preset made mm. to sound a bit old. And this kind of has it veers from sort of quite lush moon safari air type stuff to kind of there's there's a couple of things there that remind me of like the music from Stranger Things. Yeah, um, and in fact, there's a song about playing in an arcade yeah uh, which i thought would have been perfect in the in the stranger things soundtrack tempest tempest yeah. come play tempest with me or maybe millipede yeah this is like the, <laughs> this is part of his sort of psyche in a way that you heard back in queen of denmark as well i, I kind of feel like part of his early childhood because john grant he had a very difficult story so he's brought up extreme methodist family um wasn't able to be gay um basically became uh marginally more comfortable with homosexuality in his 20s became a heroin addict, um, nearly lost his life and his career, and then was literally taken up by the band Midlake and they produced his first album. So he came to fame at 42, which is kind of unusual. Mm. He's now 50. But there's this area of his songwriting, which is very nostalgic and and fuzzy and beautiful and magical. And it's mm. sort of pre-adolescence memories. So you hear a lot um, on Queen of Denmark, this sort of the feel of almost, um, I don't know, um, Space Raider pajamas and, and Doctor Who and that kind of feel to it, where that might be where he's he's sort of got a lot of his comfort and ideas as a kid, and then life got more difficult. So I think Tempest is another one of those songs. It's about playing those old retro computer games. Yeah, you're you're totally right about that. There's a he did an interview with the Guardian recently, and um, they were talking about the sort of playfulness in the record, and he said um, it was difficult to make, but the most joyous time in my life up there with Christmases with dinosaur models and snow. Aww. So, so like, sweet. obviously a part of his yeah. self resides in this sort of pre-adolescent yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of world. Of, Maybe uh, before things got difficult and yeah. contentious. Yeah. And, um, so famously, he um, revealed that he was HIV positive mm. on stage in the middle of a show, I think it was, yeah. in, a, a few years ago. I interviewed him about 2010 right. and he said then that he used um, sex as Russian roulette. He deliberately slept with people who he knew had HIV. 
as part of this sort of self-destructive, strange, you know, I mean, extremely intense kind of character, obviously. And then when the second album came out, I think it was, that's when he'd had the HIV diagnosis. So maybe he even knew at that point. Mm. But um, I mean, his he's, he's a fascinating character because he then went um, to work in New York as a, an interpreter. He speaks like five or six languages and worked in a, a local hospital as I think a Russian and French interpreter or something like that in New York. So he, he, he always manages to offset these very dark moments with a sort of sense of wonder about yeah. daily life and the world, which is why you also in his love song writing, you get these pictures of these horribly vain damaging men that he's been involved with and then you get these moments of like absolute ecstasy and adoration of another character or something he just seems to be able to do those like one track after the next what was he like when you interviewed him was he was he kind of thoughtful or acerbic he's like this kind of he's he's like um a sort of over energetic bear he's just he was so lovely he didn't stop talking i had like two and a half hours with him and, and then i saw him on stage at wilton's music hall a few years ago and he seemed to be quite um in quite a sort of dark place that day. And, you know, he was sitting there at his Nord synthesizer. And I don't know, I think he's kind of quite tempestuous in his emotions and stuff. But you, you definitely get a sense of that on on this record. You know, there's a the, the opening track, Metamorphosis, it, it has a line where it goes, 14-year-old boy rapes 80-year-old man. And that's like one of his like gags. And then later on, it breaks out into this beautiful Cocteau twinsy thing. And it has a line, they took her in an ambulance and that is where she died. And you think... How can you, you know, that's just an amazing sort of offset of, of humour and these very mysterious kind of dark moments. It's a really, that song, and perhaps this is the, uh, when we get to it, perhaps this is our link with Maniac, but that song really does feel like opening up a little trapdoor in someone's head, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and I think that's how how he's described it, that you've got this sort of, and that's why it's so, it's very off, almost off-putting as the first track because mm. um, because you've got all these sort of weird, horrific headlines of, boys raping old men and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think he's just trying to capture the sort of swirl of stuff that goes around in his head mm. on an, on an mm. av- average day. And there, there is some really, um, there's some quite harsh acerbic stuff in here, mm. isn't there? I mean, there's a, am I allowed to use Anglo-Saxon English in this? I mean, yeah. his, his song about uh, Trump is called Smug Cunt. <laughs> Um, and then he's got another song called Preppy Boy, um, which is again a bit of a, uh, a simultaneously a takedown and a sort of love letter to these horrible um, kind of smooth preppy um, kids, I guess, who he would have known at kind of college age. Mm. And then there's a there's a I think a kind of by this time in the album you you sort of got into it I think, but Diet Gum is this sort of. <laughs> Um, very funny. It's very funny, isn't it? It's like a, it, it's a dialogue between lovers, I think, just tearing each other apart. Uh, I love this. Do you even know where this cheese is made? Made? It's from Iowa, you dullard. Ever heard of it? I know. Do you even know what a collective noun is, stupidzilla? A patheticness of fuckwits. <laughs> you come round here with your lips flapping all hopped up on diet gum. And then I think I heard this line, that's why you just took a poo in those slacks you're wearing. <laughs> that's like, that's basically being with a really controlling, horrible partner, I think. Yeah. It, it kind of like, uh, in an auditory way, it sort of sounds like a, it sounds like a cross between like LCD sound system and, and one of the sort of 
comedy songs that Adam Buxton makes yeah. up for his, <laughs> for his podcast. That smirk on your face was designed by me. I fucking curated it like magically. <laughs> and then, and then, just it, the, the the album ends with "Touch and Go," which is his tribute to Chelsea Manning, the WikiLeaks um, whistleblower who transitioned in prison. In prison, yeah. And it's just deeply moving. It has the line, you know, what was going through your head as they struck you down to the ground? And it's sort of, again, we're back to the uh, part in Metamorphosis with the the woman in the ambulance. You just have this sort of, you can let these lines through that are so, they just hang there with all this suggestion, so pregnant with 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 imagery and meaning. And this, with these beautifully lush tunes that he just is going to presumably keep writing. I mean, his, his structures still sound like, you know, sort of the, the Carpenters type stuff or the Rufus Wainwright mm. incarnation of 70s sort of songwriting. And it doesn't matter what sort of backdrop he puts them on. But I mean, it's a formula that presumably, it's been nice watching him like develop in plain sight as well, going through the the rock sound that Midlake gave him and then finding this sort of more spectral electronic-y stuff that obviously just hit him. Oh, I've always loved this stuff. This is what I wanted to do. Well, well, when I heard him, I heard him in conversation with um, Tracy Thorne. I mean, he was interviewing Tracy Thorne, really, um, at Rough Trade when when her record came out earlier this year. And when they started talking about music that had influenced them at an early age, I mean, all his reference points were like ABBA Mm. and like M.O.R. rock, like Boston and stuff like that. So he's he... Although he's sort of come from this in, indie place, obviously his really it's a pop, you know, his his soul is pop. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, I don't know, maybe this is really unfair and they've probably done some good stuff, but I always found Midlake spectacularly dull. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Midlake. I mean, I, I brilliant that they've they've enabled John Grant's career, but he, I mean, he's, gone somewhere so much more interesting than, than than what they were doing he was interviewed about the uh the synths on the album and he says he has a moog 3 and he has an exquisite arp 2500 modular synth which is a truly beautiful thing to behold in here and my favorite quote about his synths is a profit t8 which makes a sound creamier than cornish clotted and devonshire double cream combined because <laughs> obviously he's been down in cornwall doing this so again he just he's one of these like man you know international men who just like goes around and absorbs wherever he is so cornish clotted cream can be heard in the prophet t8 as you're talking about dairy can i just make one more observation about this album is yeah. the un, unnatural number of references to cheese yeah. in it so <laughs> i i mentioned one of them uh, do you even know where this cheese is made it's from iowa you dullard um in the first track he he mentions broccoli with cheese sauce then in this song about sort of me too type creepy character um he he says he's serving cheese fondue on the polar bear rug which is pretty which makes me think of um uh which makes me think of sort of will ferrell in yeah, yeah, just... <laughs> and then is he strange um that that rather lovely lush song has a completely elliptical reference to brown norwegian cheese which i have no idea what, what what the significance of that is but um, so basically, don't be don't be put off by its yeah. strange six minute synth interludes, and and just listen for the John Grant songs within. We would say, wouldn't we? I'm putting words in your mouth there. You can you can <laughs> put them in my mouth. Yeah, that's fine. So, "Love Is Magic" by John Grant. It's on Bella Union on the twelfth. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. We've been watching uh, the first few episodes of a new Netflix original I don't know why I keep saying Netflix original. I'm sort of like they're, they're, <laughs> like we're advertising. Their branding has really worked, really worked on me. Um, new Netflix original series, Maniac, which is a remake of. Um, you're right there. Not right? a Netflix original, then, is it? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just looking for my to, notes. <laughs> to the extent. To... <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> go on. Kate's firing papers around the podcast room. <laughs> Um, At least we prepare. Yeah. Evidence that we prepare. <laughs> this is evidence-based podcasting. Um, yeah, I mean, to what extent is any Netflix original original? This is what I was thinking about the other day. I mean, however, even the best new Netflix stuff, and this is true of kind of Stranger Things and, and lots of other things, it is, it, it's all a sort of amalgam of, mm. of lots of other stuff that, you kind of like yeah. and has been, has been good before. And the difference is it's very long running. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and structureless. So this is actually a, a remake of a 2014 um, Norwegian TV series of the same name. Um, the original is about a guy staying in a mental facility and it goes through lots of sort of fictional versions of himself. So he's having these fantasies He's in a kind of Lord of the Rings style adventure or he's on an American football team. So they've just taken the very, very basic premise of that and taken it in a a much more kind of um, convoluted, zany, Wes Anderson style direction. So we're in a, I mean, it's kind of like a futuristic 80s, would you you Mm. describe it as? And it's like being in a dream 
it's a bit there's a bit of kind of the feel of vanilla sky there's a bit of her especially in the idea of this the well i was going to say it starts off for me with me looking at the main the main actor and thinking looks an awful lot like jonah hill but it's far too thin so maybe it's jonah hill's brother and i just went off on one thinking you know and then i realized it's just jonah hill it's just (laughs) and i looked up about his weight loss and um there were lots of speculation as to how he did this and stuff And, and he's quoted as saying that he went to a dietitian and he changed what he ate Amazing. <laughs> Lost some weight as a result. Good on you, Jonah Hill. Um, <laughs> it works for this, actually, because he looks quite sort of haunted and yeah. like, I mean, emaciated is the wrong word, but he kind of, he looks like someone who's just lost a lot of weight, mm. doesn't he? So he he plays the he plays the central character who is delusional, has had a psychotic episode in his past. It feels like he's being sent messages about a pattern in the universe and his role, he's going to have a role to save the world. Um, various people that he encounters are going to pass him on messages in this role. And then Emma Stone um, plays another very disturbed character who has had a traumatic episode in her past, is also searching for some sort of meaning. They come together in uh, as they both sign up for a pharmaceutical trial, um, which allows them to put them together in this weird, like, I guess this is the kind of Wes Anderson style setting of kind of very eccentric scientists. Mm. Um, as I say, it's a kind of very 80s vision of the future. So everyone's got these sort of like, do you remember those Acorn computers? Did you have yeah. those at school? Like BBC <laughs> Acorn, like giant terminals. Um, so they're able to have kind of virtual reality sex, but they've only got Acorn computers. <laughs> and they've got sort of um, like really crap versions of Star Wars droids that go around doing pooper scoop duties like <laughs> neutralizing um dog poo on the streets um, and the premise is they're taking a drug aren't they yes. which will which will eliminate all previous pain and trauma from their lives and they're basically hooked up to a giant computer and then they re-experience those traumas and then this is where the action begins because they're essentially uh they start to interact with one another's dreams and then that's where these sort of fantastical um versions of themselves and their alter egos take place and it, it reminded me i've only seen the first three episodes it's 10 of them and um, the structures are, they fluctuate, don't they? So some of the episodes apparently are like 20 something minutes and some of them are 45, which reminded me of Atlanta. Mm. And the the idea that you're they're messing about with genre within this thing as well, because in Atlanta, about sort of six or seven episodes in, that's the um, Childish Gambino thing. Um, suddenly, you know, you're in a kind of mock-up TV studio with an imaginary channel. And it's funny that they, because these things are sort of dumped on your computer in one go by Netflix and they're technically sort of free because you don't really pay for it, they can really mess about with that idea of uh, your expectations in terms of narrative and even the length of the actual shows themselves. Mm, mm. Yeah, it kind of, um, it has that slight anthology feel in that, you know, you... There is obviously a central thread throughout it, but they're going to take they're going to use maximum they're going to take maximum liberties with that. They're going to they're going to pull it in all sorts of different directions. Does I mean I know we're only a few episodes in, but does it work for you? Are you going to come back to it? To me, I, I find the sort of changes of tone slight slightly sort of irritating because there's uh, particularly in the Emma Stone character, there's a great trauma revealed very early on in her past, and then at the same time you have you know, the the jokes being made by a kind of computerised koala playing chess in the park, which reminded me a little bit of the kind of the terrible um, 
anthropomorphized computer in Interstellar called TARS, which is that weird thing that looks like a cross between a cigarette packet and a Rubik's Cube, which kind of walks around and tells jokes. And you, I mean, they just sometimes with these things, you feel like um, the directors, once they've settled on this sci-fi uh, world, they just start to experiment with the hilarious things that you could have within that landscape and stuff. And that's why you get these, you know, um, kind of slightly quirky little moments mm. that seem to steal your attention. And you mm. kind of, you want to know more about those two characters and how they're going to intersect. Well, the two the two core performances are really strong. I think mm. a- Emma Stone is kind of mesmerising. She's got such a fierce face in this. She's so sort of she doesn't let up. No, does she? <laughs> she's so um, she does very well that kind of um, abrasive, angry "fuck you" attitude. Yeah, which is obviously masking a deep, deep trauma. But sh- she pulls that off brilliantly. I think and. Um, Jonah Hill really works as this kind of dazed, dazed and confused character who's been sidelined his whole life by his very wealthy, successful mm. family. He's not even painted in the family portrait. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Got... There's a perfect modern portrait of these five or four or five perfect boys and the parents, and then there's a photograph of him stuck on the side. <laughs> they're like, they're going to paint me in. He keeps saying, yeah. Because <laughs> actually, that yeah, in a way, that the, the drama is the, the family situations of these two characters. Yes. In a sense, that's where the kind of uh, the the tension and the and the pain is in it. it and then the rest of it just seems to, to me so far to be sort of slightly messing about with funny sci-fi ideas I, I, I mean I must admit I do I do like some of that and um, they when they do it well it is really enjoyable so for instance the uh, when they when they're preparing themselves for this pharmaceutical trial there's like a five five minute video um, which feels like um the sort of science videos that you used to watch at, at school, um, probably when I was watching them, they were already like 15 years out of date, you know, <laughs> very like basic tomorrow's worldy graphics and and talking heads um, of these kind of uh, scientists pre- preparing the people for their, for their experience. And then like weird glimpses, like Emma Stone goes into a shop and like this door opens and you just glimpse like a dozen people like rooting through bins full of shredded paper and they're kind of like they're tracing different people's identities um but i agree that the koala was perhaps a, i like to when they, they arrive at the the drug trial place and they're all given these different pods to sleep in and the voiceover of this moronic voiceover reminds me of when you're on the london underground and for some reason the driver's bored and he goes like stand away from the doors please and he keeps repeating it and the guy who's doing the pod announcement goes if you are having trouble getting into your pod there is a ladder underneath which will help you access your pod. Please get inside your pod and change your clothes inside your pod. Yes. It's just going on in the background. Banal. <laughs> totally banal, yeah. That feels like real life to me. Um, we should just say that it's directed by um, Corey Joji Fukunaga, who is the next James Bond director. Yes, and did the first season of True Detective, I think. Yeah. So since oh. Danny Boyle pulled out, it's up to mm. Fukunaga to, uh, to take over. So Maniac is on Netflix. All 10 episodes of the first uh, season are there. Kate, you've got our anniversary this week. What is it? Mm, well, obviously, the further you get from a, an era in music, the more hallowed it appears. Um, and I was reminded um, a little bit of this with John Grant, because I think that when John Grant emerged, that was like one of the best periods of music, which of course it wasn't. He was one of the only good things in like 2010. Janelle Monet, likewise, around the same time. And uh, the other thing was um, Fuck You by CeeLo Green, which was a number one single ten years, oh, eight years ago today. Uh, for two weeks and sold somewhere in the region of 180,000 copies in the UK, which I can't even believe. 
because how does that work? Yeah. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't buy things then. But yeah, so we revisited Fuck You. Um, we'd for, sort of forgotten all about it, hadn't we? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard this song for ages. Weirdly sort of, I guess, maybe because of the language in it, although they did yeah. do a cleaned up radio version, which was Forget You. I saw him singing it <laughs> in Jules Holland in the... Um, the early evening performance and the late evening performance, and he had two two different versions oh, in the really? studio. <laughs> so he did "Forget You" and "Fuck You," and then they just played one after the watershed. And it's, it's a beautiful Motown song, co-written, I find out, by Bruno Mars, which makes sense because yeah. it sounds like the Lazy Song or something. Was Bruno Mars big by then? I guess he was. Not probably, really. No. Was he not? no. 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 He was obviously kind of oiling his way up the pole by that point. Is that a period kind of? Um, I feel like. Bruno Mars in the Ascendancy, Mark Ronson, CeeLo yeah. Green, Poster, Janelle Monet, Post Niles Barkley. Yeah, kind of so period. there's yeah, like kind of good. good soul, you know, a little soul soul revival. Yeah, going a lot on. of Motowny kind of solid songwriting, and um, yeah, it was great. And somebody described it as essentially a middle finger extending from the fist of a pop single. <laughs> <laughs> you wish you'd written that, don't you? That <laughs> blows off the tongue. That description, doesn't it? Well, uh, uh, rewatching the uh, rewatching the video, um, it's nice because it turns it into a sort of playground song, basically, because yeah. it's about this kind of. It starts with um, CeeLo as a as a very small boy, um, and um, I'd forgotten that it has lyrics like, "I guess he's an Xbox and I'm more Atari." Yeah, <laughs> see, they were already doing that retro game <laughs> which, thing, then. which ties back to John Grant, to John and, Grant. His, and his arcade game, and his so Tempest. That's probably a good point to leave it at. So, happy eighth. Non-aversary to CeeLo Green's Fuck You. <laughs> Thank you for downloading this episode of The Back Half. We've been Tom and Kate. Thank you to Caroline Crampton for editing us. You can rate us on iTunes. Please do leave a review or a star rating. Get in touch if you have any non-aversary suggestions on Twitter or the back half podcast at gmail.com. And Kate, we're going to leave them with... With the hit song, Godspeed by Pistol Jazz. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Are you looking to grow your business and stay resilient? 
Look no further than FM Global. With over 180 years of scientific research and engineering expertise, we bring innovative solutions to ensure your commercial property today so you can prosper tomorrow.